Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Pods Unchained, the show where we talk about all things blockchain, NFT, and Gods Unchained. This week, joining me as always, as ever, my friend, the most sexiest man in the world of cryptocurrency, Caution Fun. Wait, Bonk's here? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> thank you for that flattering intro, Copper. I appreciate it, man. Uh, How you doing this week? I was gonna, just going to ask oh, you I that. beat you too. I know. Um, I heard it coming, and I was like, I got to beat him to it. I'm well. <laughs> Good to How hear. How are you, Copper? <laughs> <laughs> I am also doing pretty well. Um, just having a, a nice, chill Tuesday. We normally r- record these on Wednesdays. Uh, this week, we thought we'd record one day ahead of time. That way, when Gods Unchained released their third token, it wouldn't be right during the uh, podcast again. Yeah, just preventative maintenance on our part, for sure. <laughs> but so if they drop any insane news on Wednesday, you can blame me for uh, recording it a day early. But um, yeah, how did your how did your Gods Unchained weekend go? Ah, uh, quickly. Yeah, uh, same. Damn, I actually, I had a joke. <laughs> for that I Ooh, was you say, to, what's the setup do you need me to set you up yeah i just keep asking how it went again yeah yeah uh hey caution what's up how'd your uh, weekend ranked go i actually um it started out shaky but in my last 18 games i set a new uh personal record oh yeah uh, yeah uh, one and a half hours <laughs> <laughs> can we add a badump ching there uh salt one please yeah, please. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I yeah, I, I played Zoo Light. Um, hey, so did I. I wasn't really feeling it. Um, yeah, it's the only option if you want your games to be quicker than half an hour each. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that got old quickly. Um, so I switched to Slayer War, and then so did I. Be in rage. What? <laughs> I played Mystic Light. Uh, and then once I lost like a handful of games, I was like, oh man, how do I make this go even faster? Uh, and then I was like, Slayer War. And then I played two games of Slayer War and I won one, lost one. And then I was like, ugh, Mystic Light was better. It was more fun. Those frumentary researchers, when they pop off, it's nuts. Yeah, it does sound fun. I, I like the tribal decks. That was probably next on my list was like Aether Magic. Ooh. But, yeah. yeah. Anything that's quick. <laughs> exactly yeah it's a sad state when yeah the objective is to get it over with it's like a band-aid rip it off as quick as possible and so anybody new listening to the podcast the reason we're so sad is uh there has been no updates in a little while we've been waiting on a balance patch we discussed a couple weeks back now uh and we still have not seen hide nor hair of the balance patch it's not in the ptr still it's not in in the game no new sanctum, no new nothing. Mum's the word right now. Um, so we don't have anything to talk about in those regards. But what we did get last Wednesday as we were wrapping up the podcast is IMX token. So uh, IMX token is pretty big news in the world of crypto, I would say. Not necessarily great for Gods Unchained uh, in the immediacy to fix our boredom. But... um. <laughs> How how are you feeling about the news of the IMX launch? Great. Um yeah, you're you're absolutely right on uh every, every point you made there. The cryptosphere is going through a play to earn NFT gaming frenzy right now. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of the attention has been brought onto the space because of Axie and mm. their success with their two uh tradable tokens. So not to be outdone, Gods Unchained now has two tradable tokens <laughs> eventually, and uh, the Gods token and the IMX token. Um, yeah, it's it's a wonderful uh, bit of news. It's a great distraction, um, but I, I I hope it doesn't distract us from the fact that the core gameplay is uh, lackluster right now. But either way, I am excited about the token itself and the proposed functionality of the token. Um, it fits a lot of my it has a lot of my favorite properties that i look for in a utility token and um yeah the second order effects in that there's the preliminary airdrop where you know it's a flat 
rate to all of the active IMX users as of what the 22nd. Uh, yeah. Everybody's getting you know a set amount of uh, IMX token, but there's that second airdrop that's going to be based on the number and quality of cards in your collection and chests. And chess should take care to mention. Um, and yeah, that is that was priced in to the market overnight. <laughs> um, I mean, the floor for yeah. trial meteorite legendaries went from like 0. 0.004 to like 0. 0.15. Jeez. Um, all of the shiny, you know, epics and uh, cards at every single level, especially those in the trial set saw a massive jump yes. as far as price goes. So they basically valued trials at the same rate as Genesis by saying that uh, trial cards are worth the same number of points as Genesis cards. So uh, that meant that trials cards were massively undervalued in terms of IMX coin. Yeah, yeah. If, you're, if your goal is to accumulate airdrop points, the cheapest way to do it it's definitely Trial of the Gods cards for sure. Yeah. And really, it's benefited the price of all cards, not just Gen and not just Trials, uh, Genesis as well. Just because I'm sure there were a lot of people that were maybe like on the fence about buying, you know, certain cards here and there. But if you know for every card you purchase, you're going to receive a greater amount of IMX token, that's essentially a subsidy. Right. Like, if you weren't willing to spend, you know, $50 on a card before, Maybe, you know, you can do some mental gymnastics where you're like, well, now it's only $40 because $10 <laughs> worth of IMX token, you know, if you feel like speculating that far into it. Did you but, um, speculate that far into it? it because I was oh, actually... Oh, yeah. I was going to I was gonna say uh, for for $50, I believe it, you'd be saving about 5 but you said about 10 So maybe your value... What, what's your valuation on the uh, proposed market cap? Uh, what, what do you think it's going to be? 20 million coins. How much is it going to be worth? I mean, that's a great question. Well, let me just first um, say that this is not financial advice. All of this is for entertainment purposes only, and do your own research. And um, uh, what's the other thing? Not financial advice. I think we're covered. All right, go ahead. Yeah, don't listen to me about anything <laughs> ever. I'm going to be wrong. Um, <laughs> no, thanks for the disclaimers there. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting. I, the, one of the key reasons that I love this coin, um, it's got a very similar property to one of my favorite coins in the entire cryptosphere, which is Sushi. Um, and it's sushi-like in that you can stake it and the token itself becomes a claim on a portion of the revenue generated by the protocol. And that's conducted via those buybacks. Uh, well, it's essentially a buyback. 20% um, of the protocol fees on every IMX transaction are going to be paid in IMX token. But if you don't own IMX token, let's say you only own ETH, you're going to pay that same protocol fee, but they're going to take 20% of that protocol fee and mark it by IMX token. So as long as there is a, a transaction traffic on the protocol itself, there will always be uh, purchasing pressure on the IMX token. Hmm. Um, so, you know, being able to stake and... Uh, have like have a, just a claim on the protocol's success is kind of massive. I mean, you consider it's not just Gods Unchained. There's a number of uh, play-to-earn NFT games that uh, they'll be supporting on the platform. There. Yeah, like Alluvium, uh, Guild of Guardians. Yeah, absolutely. Others, um, others, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, all it, if if one of those yeah. is a success, right? The, token could have massive value uh not to mention you know if all of them are successful um i so you know i don't know it's it's i haven't sat down to calculate like okay if daily transaction volume is mm. this and fees are this how much does that mean for like staking rewards and how much does that mean i haven't done any uh any of that math but i mean just my gut instinct you know and the with the way <laughs> crypto is nowadays um you know i've seen vaporware chains <laughs> valued at you know eight plus figures um with a 20 million 
token supply and the initial circulating supply is going to be far, far less. Mm. Uh, I would not be shocked to see a double-digit price tag on IMX token. So that would uh, effectively put the market cap, in your opinion, at somewhere around $300 million maybe? Oh, I was thinking, like, you know, if there's going to be, you know, 10 million or so IMX tokens in circulation at the very beginning. Um, no, 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 I'm not 100% sure on the exact number that'll be circulating, you know, at launch. But um, if it's 10 million or less tokens, hmm. uh, $10 plus per token, yeah, I'd say $100 million plus market cap seems fair. Interesting. That's that's roughly around the same range that I came to the conclusion of. Uh, I mean, again, purely based on nothing. I'm an idiot, but like things like axes are worth like you know, 1.5 billion or something like that. Like, yeah, something like IMX, which is in my opinion, uh, far far more valuable. Far like it's not even it's not even a comparison, honestly. Uh, it just it just stands to reason that it's got to be worth at least 250 million uh if not more and obviously you know who knows what happens over time if if like like you said if any of these games that are already partners succeed that's huge and it in the future they can just keep adding more and more and more and more games um and then like you said all it takes is one massive hit and if they've got it on their platform or even just a combination of many, 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 many games like they can add as many as they want basically they these roll-ups can mint like a million uh, NFTs all at once, and they could just, uh, yeah, have as have as many uh, games, and 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 they they have more than just games. They have like NFT minting type companies, I think, that uh, partnered with them, and there's a whole list on the IMX page. But uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what all the the companies that are partnered are are doing per se. Like I know OpenSea is listed on that that list of partnerships. Um, I don't know if that means. OpenSea can mint to IMX. I have no idea, but uh, yeah, it's very it's very interesting to think of all the possibilities, and they are they far outstrip what uh, Axies could possibly ever bring to the table, in my personal opinion. Yeah, now you're right. The potential is quite limitless. Yeah, so I it's it's really hard to speculate on on a price, but it's fun to do. Um, yeah. In my in my mind, I kind of priced them out at around twenty twenty five dollars, maybe. Uh, again, it, I I have no idea. I could be off by a factor of a thousand, but it's definitely exciting to think about what it could be worth. Um, I have not done the same exercise for God's token. I wonder if you have. Oh no, not at all. There's no information about that to make a decision. <laughs> still <laughs> yeah. waiting on that white paper. Yeah, we're still waiting on some white papers here, but. Uh, yeah, God's token I think is is similar perhaps to SLP um, in that you you basically need it in order to mint further uh, uh, tokens uh, for God's Unchained. It's of course God God's Unchained cards, um, core cards that you can fuse and, and and make higher shines or just even mint them onto the blockchain if you have two plane cards and for Axie. Uh, you use your smooth love potions uh, to, well, force your little animals to mate with each other. That's my understanding. Mine, mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually don't know that much about Axie, to be quite honest. I did start looking into Axie this past week. I uh, talked to a number of people about it. And uh, the general consensus that I came away with is that literally nobody finds the game fun. Um, and they're all just in it for the money. And yes. uh, that to me is terrifying. Like I, w- I actually wanted to try it out. And I, so I looked into it and it was, I believe what I was told by some very smart people, uh, multiple different smart people is that it's going to cost about $1,800 to start off with like a good team of axes. You need, you need to buy three of these things. And they're all like over $600 if you want to get like, I guess higher purity is good and lower breed count is good. And uh, yeah, basically it would cost about 1800 plus, basically one ETH effectively in order to start playing Axie. 
Like, there's there's not even, like, a try it now and see if you like it and then decide to make the purchase. Have you ever have you ever messed with Axie? Have you ever purchased one of these potatoes? Um, I actually did a uh, scholarship program. Interesting. Uh, several months ago, and uh, for those unfamiliar, a scholarship program is where, uh, like Hopper alluded to, you know, the barrier to entry is much higher than uh, God's Unchained, and there is no free-to-play option. So uh, the next best thing is these teams or entities. They have these massive breeding networks of axes and they have you know duplicates upon duplicates of these pristine teams so how the scholarship program works is they lend you an account with three you know meta axes already on it and you play on that account and the scholarship i'm sure the percentages vary but um in my case I would play Axie using their Axies, and whatever I earned in-game, as far as the smooth love potions go, uh, I would receive 80%, and they would take 20%. I was offered a 50-50 scholarship just a day ago, and uh, I was told that's like the norm. So 80% sounds quite nice. Yeah, this is months and months ago. Uh, So very. It seems like I'm sure. I'm sure too because sorry to cut you off, but I'm sure uh, I've been seeing so many people like begging for scholarships. So like I guess the demand for scholarships has just skyrocketed. So of course that means the people in charge with all the axes can now you know screw the people over as much as they want. Yeah, (laughs) market dynamics there, but um, yeah. Yeah, I played the game for, uh, I want to say, three days. (laughs) And I couldn't bring myself to do it on, like, the fourth day. And (laughs) right away, the very next morning, the guy was like, hey, you didn't do your dailies? Oh, God. You know? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I was like, ah, no, man, I couldn't do it. (laughs) It kind of sucks. (laughs) It's it's so boring. It's just just, just clicking. The strategy is so minute, but... um, yeah, just I, I saw you know I gave it up real Interesting. quick, and um, yeah, that was definitely my experience as well. Uh, and it's ironic; it's pretty much polar opposite to GU at this point. Um, yeah, you know their economy has been built out, uh, and you know the play to earn potential is pretty massive in a lot of countries. It's better than any entry-level job you can find yeah that's wild but uh the gameplay itself is pretty trash (laughs) so um you know you can tell why people are there what their motivation is meanwhile god's unchained hasn't had a functioning forage almost a year over a year and a half Uh, actually well about about a year and a half it's been i think since march of 2020 wow yeah so yeah i mean but that being said when uh you know the gameplay is not stale and solved and overcooked yeah the game can be very very fun for sure uh, so you know i i definitely think the uh user base the gods unchained user base has a lot more room to grow mm. and the systems that they have like yet to build out and implement like the economic side of things that is yet to come so i would imagine that when that comes, uh, the growth should be exponential as long as we're still in the same, like, you know, frame of mind. Yeah. I mean, so do, do you think it will be, though, like, based on, like, people seem to only want to play for the money? And so, I mean, will, will Gods Unchained satiate that need? Um, I mean, you know, I basically did a video. Again, the Forge was down. Um, all kinds of other disclaimers, but basically it came out to like you could make maybe a dollar fifty per hour, I think I calculated, or a dollar dollar fifty, something along those lines. It wasn't very much compared to I think something like Axie, where I was told uh, you could make like forty five dollars a day at a minimum. So like, do, do you th- and and that's for like an hour of work or something? I think I was told, which is just insane. Um, like, do you think people will play Gods Unchained if 
there isn't that insane lucrative uh you know draw to try and get people to come in and uh basically just grind the game for money like is that is that what people will do will we actually see i mean obviously people who play like hearthstone and stuff will be interested just purely for the gameplay aspect like you said it is fun um which other games are lacking but i do wonder if there's not just like a huge uh draw from purely from making money and nobody cares about anything else so yeah i think um i think that's one of the things like the axie user base to me is is uh quite a bit more fragile than the gu user base Mm. for that reason Mm. if the you know if the play to earn aspect of you know axie infinity dips i'm positive that the player base will also dip Mm. um so i think the gu player base might be a bit more resilient when it comes to like dropping play to earn rewards just because the game is fun but um i also think that gu can afford to be a little less lucrative than these other play to earn nft games because it's a real game because the gameplay is so fun (laughs) exactly so like you know when i was playing axes it felt like work it felt Mm. like i was clocking in to like do my work Interesting. and then like be done with it you know kind of similar to how the weekend ranked feels right now <laughs> but that aside if you can you know ha- have a fun gameplay experience yeah. and at the end have earned money yeah that's like, huge if those two things come together i think uh yeah i i see no reason and it feeds on itself you know if play to earn is good brings more players and makes play to earn better and uh Mm. You know, we're seeing that upward cycle play out right now with Axie. Yeah. And, uh, hopefully it swings on over to Geo. <laughs> and, uh, and like Crypto Blades, which I, I, I don't know too much about these games. I, I've tried to look into them a little bit. I've never actually played them. Um, Did you say Crypto Blades? Yeah, it's another new, to I've me, it's, yeah, it seems like a new click farmer type game where, again, it's not fun. Is it like Beyblades? I've never heard of that. I've never think... heard of Beyblades? No. Did it rip? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I have a commercial to send you after. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think it's just another new click farmer type game and um but like someone when I was trying to like get into Axie, someone was like telling me like, Oh, but but Crypto Blades is even more lucrative. You can make like seventy dollars per hour right now. But then like on the same token, they're also telling me like, but don't buy anything because the prices are insane. So it's like everybody's playing these games to make money and then sell the stuff that they're earning. But like eventually, I think what this is called, Caution, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is a Ponzi scheme. (laughs) If what people are doing isn't fun and they're all just grinding it because they can sell it to to the next biggest sucker, I mean, I guess it's not maybe technically a Ponzi scheme, but it feels very Ponzi esque. I was told by multiple people who play axie that it is a ponzi but that they like were okay with that (laughs) because they're making money i mean most economic systems have some have a lot of characteristics of a ponzi scheme like yeah how would how would you classify you know like uh, a stock that's never paid a dividend and never done a buyback you know Uh, like you could consider that you know investing in that it has the same characteristics of a Ponzi scheme, but there are a couple key differences. And I think one with uh, these gaming platforms, uh, yeah, making money definitely requires, uh, uh, for everybody to make money, it requires new money entering the system for sure. Right. But I think the difference, the key difference anyway for me, is that like there's a risk-reward calculation to make you know when you make that initial investment you can you know you can create a model that you know your expected return on your investment and um you know there are everything is known like everything about the system is known it's the like none of your funds are being misappropriated you know exactly what you're paying for and you know exactly what you'll be able to use those assets for um so yeah that being said like if 
if more people are trying to get out of the system than get into the system, it will definitely, mm. you know, prices will go down for sure. Um, but if, uh, if new entrants outpace, you know, whether it's existing entrants or, or, or people leaving, it will, uh, yeah, it'll definitely continue to go up. Yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's a sad state. Uh, I, I love the blockchain gaming space. Um, I wish there were more actual games out there. I don't think there are many that I would actually consider games, and that makes me sad. I and 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 namely, also one of my big concerns is that everything is way too expensive. Like it's prohibitively expensive for a new player even someone who's not like in the third world country trying to get a scholarship, like it's $2,000 to start playing a game with potatoes. Um, Uh. Like that, that is obscene. I mean, I think that there's stats that are something like, you know, like 75% of Americans couldn't pay a $500 bill if they, uh, you know, got got like a a random bill in the mail for $500, like 75% wouldn't be able to pay that bill. But like $2,000 to buy into a potato game. Or there was another thing that I was interested in, and I actually totally spaced on the fact that it actually launched right before we started doing the podcast today. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of sad that I missed it, but there was a thing called Stoner Cats, which uh, like Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis and uh, Vitalik Buterin <laughs> are all doing. And I actually listened to a podcast where they had talked about it, uh, Armchair Expert. And uh, it was it was pretty interesting, and like they're basically selling NFTs so that you can watch their cartoon. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. I love this. And then I look to see how much they cost, and they're freaking like a thousand dollars, like to to watch a TV show. Like, are are we like we're never going to get new blood? I guess this is my 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 core issue is we're never going to get new people into the world of crypto gaming if everything is prohibitively expensive. Like it's just it's just insane. Which again, I have to say huge shout out to Gods Unchained. You can start for free and you can play for free. And I think everything else is just failing cat- catastrophically uh at at that right now. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I don't care how high, uh, you know, uh, the barrier to entry, like, scales. Like, if you want to, you know, uh, spend, like, you know, three grand on a game and have, like, the best, you know, investment or the best, uh, you know, assets available, like, whatever. I, I think you should be able to do that. But you're right the minimum barrier to entry Mm. being eighteen hundred dollars it's exactly right it's prohibitively expensive the only way people are going to be able to get a foot in the door is by in you know engaging one of these scholarship programs and while i think that's a fair market tactic and clearly like the market is calling for that kind of system the result is the rich get richer right and uh the new players are not receiving the full value of their efforts you know um so yeah being able to keep that minimum barrier to entry i in my head i have it like 60 dollars or less you know like the cost of you know fifa 21 from gamestop you know Mm. Uh, i think i think that like right around that threshold is like perfect and gods unchained is even better like you said you can absolutely start playing for free and uh i i haven't done it in a while granted but <laughs> when i whenever i had the new player experience whether it was you know myself doing one of those free to play challenges or vicariously through a friend i was onboarding um both times it's been very fun to engage with you know so i mean as long as you can pick up a game for free or like i said less than that 60 dollars threshold and start playing it and actually get to participate in a play to earn economy i think that's fantastic i think that's perfect but yeah when the when the floor is you know four figures 
Nah, that's not a good. That's not sustainable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to take a shot at 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 a, at a an immutable backed guild of guardians as well for this. Which, like, I, you know, I we both have discords which have like over five hundred ish people. Like, I was really excited to run a guild for Guild of Guardians. Um, but if I wanted a guild with like fifty people, it would have cost me. A hundred thousand dollars to buy a mythic guild, but if I only oh, wanted, too. yeah, <laughs> if I only <laughs> wanted forty people, it's only twenty thousand uh, dollars. Thirty yeah. people guild was four thousand dollars, and a twenty-person guild was two hundred dollars. But I believe those sold out pretty quick. Um, but like, it's kind of it, it's insane. Like, what on God's green flat earth are they thinking? Uh, People might be willing to pay this. I don't know. Yeah, and I think they sold out. I believe they did recently sell out. <laughs> which that's it then. <laughs> and, and people point to that as like, well, therefore it's good. But like, again, I don't know. It feels really bad to me. I don't like the idea. And like, again, it's the kind of thing where like, like they get a cut of any sale. The higher the guild you own, like the more percent of sales that you get from people in your guild. So it's basically the rich getting richer and farming the little people. And I hate that. That is like the opposite value that crypto should have, in my opinion. I think it should. I think that's what crypto. That's why I got into it. You know, it's like uh, we don't need banks anymore. We don't need banks stealing from the little guys. Uh, we can be our own banks. You know what I mean? Like this is revolutionary technology, and it's being utilized to basically make the rich richer. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't really have much of an opinion about like who's enriched by crypto, you know, but um, I don't know, I don't, I just don't know if it's my place to say, but I do agree in the sense that uh, what 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 is important to me about cryptocurrency is the permissionless systems, the idea that anybody with an internet connection and an interest can participate in any of these systems, whether it's, you know, proof of work mining, whether it's uh, DeFi applications, whether it's play to earn games, uh, that, that is definitely important to me. Um, so something like a, you know, Axie scholarship program, uh, just like, yeah, it fundamentally goes against like, you know, the, crypto ethos from like my perspective just in the sense that like there is a middleman extracting value um despite you know no effort like yes they're providing starting capital quote unquote but there's no effort there's no proof of work um so yeah i i, I think i think we agree but from different angles yeah it's very interesting i mean there's there's obviously you know tons of room for all kinds of different things in the in the world of crypto you know i mean i am absolutely not against there being if someone made a game and it was only for super wealthy people like great that game is for wealthy people it's not for me like you know maybe maybe the the buy-in cost for that game is a hundred thousand dollars and that would be awesome and you'd be able to cater to a super wealthy clientele but I just don't think any other game aside from Gods Unchained is actually actively looking to, you know, invite brand new people on board. Like, I don't see that anywhere else, and that concerns me. Yeah, um, I mean, one game that I have uh, played uh, pretty frequently since the beginning of the year almost at this point um, is Splinterlands. Interesting. Uh, which is, you know, it's an auto battler uh, card game hosted on the Hive blockchain. Um, it, you know, the cards are NFTs. It has a fully decentralized marketplace. Uh, you can, it has. They actually recently integrated card lending. Hmm. Uh, you know, renting and uh, lending. It just like natively right into the, like, right into the website. It's fantastic. Um, gives me you know, gets me giddy about the potential of Gods Unchained there. But um yeah, that was uh uh not free to play. It requires a ten dollar initial investment, like no way around it. Hmm. If you wanna 
if you want to play to earn, it costs ten dollars. That seems like um, a fair buy. Right, and like I personally would recommend also throwing down like ten, twenty dollars if you can afford it, just to beef up your starting collection a little bit, or to rent cards that are available on the market, uh, just to help you up level up a little faster and uh, start earning more quicker. Um, but yeah, that's uh, you know I I went in with a very small initial investment, especially compared to something like Axies. Uh, I think. I think <laughs> Including the ten dollar mandatory, I think I spent about eighty dollars on cards when I first went in. Um, that being said, I think because it's so new player friendly, over the past like two months, realistically, as this you know NFT gaming play to earn boom has happened there, uh, Splinterlands has definitely seen some of that enthusiasm and um, the value of my collection has gone up accordingly um, which you know is is great for me personally but um it definitely has gotten less user friendly mm. than it was bef- or new user friendly i should say than it was before like that same initial investment i made uh you know less than a hundred dollars uh you know to get the same cards that i was able to start out with would probably cost you closer to like five six hundred dollars now Jeez. so you know you can definitely still go in and start earning or that ten dollar flat fee like i said and you can definitely get a you know viable collection for that same like you know twenty thirty dollar threshold there um but yeah i do worry because it's interesting because obviously part of me wants to root for the value of my collection right continue to increase for sure but uh at the same time i I don't want it to spiral out of control and dissuade new people from entering the space Right. Um, so yeah, striking that happy medium is uh, definitely a tough needle to thread. And I think a lot of these games, like you alluded to, I think they're leaning more towards the cash grabby, yeah, uh, you know, uh, ecosystems than the uh, you know more egalitarian ecosystems. Yeah, which, you know, I, I can't really blame them for, but <laughs> I know it's not for me. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Now, now, do you have that same concern with Gods Unchained? I mean, Gods Unchained cards are skyrocketing. I, I saw a couple new players who wanted to pick up like a Highborn Knight and uh, come to find the Highborn Knights now cost like, I don't even know, I think it was like 400 or 200 or uh, it might be fluctuating, but uh, they're very expensive now. Uh, I sold one yeah. for $8 uh, two years ago. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Bonk was telling me the other day, he was like, man, I was looking through my... I bought things on like uh, Togetro there. He's like $31 Jasons. Oh. Like, stuff. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. Oh. Like, you only bought one, right? Oh. Like, yeah, dude. How was I supposed to know? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh, I, I mean, it hasn't been a concern of mine necessarily, but, um, I mean, in the short to intermediate term, I could see like a bit of friction there. Uh, just because it, the, the reason I'm not concerned in the long term is, uh, you know there are other card games you can look at pokemon you can look at Yu-Gi-Oh! and most notably magic the gathering mm-hmm. um you know if you want a black lotus right it's like sixty thousand or something yeah you're busting out five figures yeah. real quick the but the beauty of it is you know there are so many card sets yeah that's what i was gonna say there are so card many sets. different sanctioned like you know formats right that you know there's you can play standard and go in with you know a hundred dollar initial investment you can play modern and go in with you know a thousand dollar initial investment or you can you know go for gold and what, I forget what they call it like <laughs> historical or like a legacy or something I think, I yeah think something historic, like that yeah synonyms but um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you know you can and you can go and you can pick up a black lotus and you know one <laughs> of each of the power nine and, you know have at it but uh yeah, so like I mean, I I do expect Genesis cards to continue to go up as the player base increases. Obviously, you know the vice versa applies there. But um, long term, like I think you know the more sets come out, the more cards we all have access to. It's just it's going to dilute one the power level of Genesis and two the popularity of Genesis. Like I forget who it was in the Discord, but they said something along the lines of. Man, it's gonna be crazy like three, four years from now when people on stream are like stoked to see a Demogorgon because like it never happens, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's just, uh, 
it's a, it's it's it, it it could go a number of different ways but um yeah i do think they have the benefit of you know not not every card is 100% necessary to own if there are enough cards in the game yeah so, that's um, interesting now uh you mentioned the power 9 which is something i've never heard of until earlier today someone was commenting on my youtube asking me what is the power 9 for youtube uh, or, or for Gods Unchained, sorry. I'm trying to scroll through here and find the comment because they listed some cards and they asked me if, if I thought this is what the Power 9 was. And uh, yeah. I'm curious as to what you think the Power 9 are. I can I can give you their list as soon as I find it. Well, um, I will say that I was... Uh, I've run through this thought exercise before and um, my initial idea was to write a blog post um yeah just essentially going over what i consider to be and you know predict to be going forward the genesis power nine and uh i couldn't get it down to nine <laughs> i well so you know, for, the, for was... those who don't know the power nine is is what i mean obviously it's the most powerful nine cards in the game right but but that's a what magic term or what is this yeah it's magic the gathering term um i forget the i, I think one might be time walk but there's uh there are there's black lotus and then there are these mox cards which are artifacts that give you access to more mana they're insanely strong but uh, it's from the first set, the alpha set of Magic the Gathering. Hmm. There are nine cards that are just incredibly overpowered, have been incredibly overpowered like since day one, and um, yeah, just continue to be the, some of the strongest cards in the game. Interesting. Um, so And their values reflect that for sure. Yeah, and it says uh, Magic the Gathering did a great thing by defending the value and lore of some of its earliest prints. This has created a vibrant investor market and aspirational goals for the collector community writ large. So I, it, I, that's, that's a very interesting point, right? To def, you know have these cards that are really good and then uh, defend their value. That way, over time, the collector you know, market continues to go up yeah and by defend their value i assume they just mean uh you know don't reprint them right um or you know print cards power that are more powerful <laughs> right Good Lord. yeah but um <laughs> yeah which is has absolutely done that and uh like i said there's you know a multitude of different sanctioned formats and you know the power nine are only legal in one of them as far as i know hmm. so uh there are many, many game modes for players to, you know, engage in that, you know, you never have to worry about owning a five-figure card, um, which is what I expect to see with the Genesis set long-term. So let me give you Ryan Smithwright's Power 9, although he didn't quite give me 9, but I found this list. <laughs> I, think you'll get a, I think you'll get a kick out of this list here. So he gives me... Demogorgon, Jason, Pyramid Warden feel like they're in this category. And then he said, I'd be curious about what others you think uh, should be restricted from reprint as well, even if they're not Power 9. So I had to explain to him, actually, Genesis can't be nerfed or anything. He was not aware of this. Um, but for those of you out there who don't know, Genesis cannot be nerfed. So these cards will remain powerful forever. Um, but then, he's, then he goes on to list a couple more. So he says, Demogorgon, Jason, Pyramid Warden, Apocalypse Now, La Bola Fuego. Does does La Bola Fuego strike you as a Power Nine caution? I've never no. seen anyone play. Lo <laughs> I literally laughed out loud when I read it. No offense to him whatsoever. I thought it was cute. <laughs> yeah, it's. I had to. I had to no, Google what La quite. Bola Fuego does because I was yeah. like, "What does this card even do?" I've never seen anyone play it. Uh, but yeah. basically, basically, yeah. La Bola Fuego is a five mana three five aether. It's an aether. Uh, it has a roar of pull all spells in your opponent's hand onto the top of their deck. For each spell moved, give them a rune of sight. And uh, I think the problem is it's too expensive. So by five mana, even if you put all of your opponent's spells on top of their deck, if they needed those spells immediately because they're cheap and they could play a couple. They can just play a rune of sight and immediately get yeah. back whatever cards they need. No, there's no justification <laughs> yeah. necessary. Yeah. 
<laughs> I thought it was funny though. Maybe that, power ninety. I don't even know if it would make the top ninety to be honest. Yeah, maybe not. I'd have to go through it. I've never know. seen anyone play that card. Maybe like once. It's absolutely wild. Maybe <laughs> off of Jason. But um yeah. does he list anymore? No, that was the last one. Um I did oh, wow. I did okay. then point out uh, he he's a brand new player actually, so so props to him for um knowing some of those really important uh, he did up top say Wardens, Highborns, Demos, Jason. I'm not sure if he mentioned those other ones. Um, yeah, he he named Highborn as well. So Highborn is also in his list. I would agree with that. Uh, I I threw in I'd add Underbrush Board to this list. Uh, it's a two mana three three with effectively Blitz, but it can also hit hidden creatures. Oh yeah. So I mean I think uh, I think that brings us up to about six cards though. So I'm not sure what would round out the power nine. Well, I did just find my draft for uh, the Power 9 blog post. Maybe I'll just throw it up anyway. What the heck? But, yeah. Um, I eventually, what I eventually turned it into was that, uh, quick shameless plug, uh, I wrote a new player purchasing guide mm. uh, for the Genesis set. Uh, you can find that in the TST Discord under blog posts. But um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just I went through, I tried to do, uh, I think I ended up doing like four or five neutral cards and then like two or three cards for each god. Um, that I just thought, you know, weren't going anywhere, so to speak. But um, I do have the original rough draft here with my quote-unquote power nine. Mm. Um, and I'm looking at the honorable mention section, and, man, you could definitely make a case for any of those. I have six or seven in the honorable mentions, so that's why I didn't end up whittling it down to just nine. But I did include those uh, uh, those aforementioned, except for La Vuelo Fuego. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pyramid Warden, Demogorgon, Underbrush Board, Jason, and Highborn Knight. Um, some others I included. One was Avatar of Magic. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, as long as oh, Magic yeah. plays spells, that will always be a one-card combo. Mm -hmm. um, another Magic card I included was Portal Wrangler. Oh, yeah. I think... Uh, you know, not only is there that infinite combo cooked into the Genesis set itself, yeah. but it's just, it's always going to either be a crazy value generator or it's just a decent tempo play. Worst case scenario. Right. So, um, Portal Wrangler makes my list. And then the last two I have here, uh, one expectant chicken. Mm. Uh, I think that will always be an aggro staple. Um, you know, it's one mana, three, three stats, but, you know, there's benefit to the delay and the afterlife synergies, you know, a yeah. whole bunch going on there. And then what I would probably say is the weakest slot in the Power Nine is I have Avatar of War. Mm. Um, you know, it's yeah, strong. I mean, yeah, it provides an immediate impact on the current board state via the relic it equips. Uh, it provides a threat your opponent should feel compelled to deal with immediately yeah. uh you know <laughs> it eight, offers eight with leech yeah yeah exactly yeah it can it can heal you out of lethal range it can put your opponent into lethal range it's uh yeah it's got a lot going for it uh and then my honorable mentions were avatar of nature master of indulgences master tactician apocalypse now if they refuse to fix it death unborn <sighs> shadow scryer and osiris wow interesting interesting list i will say avatar of war especially with fury uh that's the way i've been playing it and uh this has come up more than once where i can at nine mana play an avatar of war with blitz which means i can my my god my, my relic has god blitz and then my creature has blitz which means you can heal for 13 is that math right yep damn <laughs> that's almost 50 oh, percent of your does starting fury health. give plus one attack oh yeah it does excellent 14 <laughs> I knew it wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah, I've done that more than once to just completely swing a game. I mean, it's just disgusting. But uh, yeah, a Avatar of... All the Avatars are great, but especially Magic and War, like you said. They definitely deserve a spot. That's Those are good good calls. Thank you kindly. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, we, we do have a community question here that I think we should answer. Um, oh, yeah, oh, exciting. From community question legend JFA. And JFA asks, uh, and by the way, if you guys have questions out there, you can feel free to hit us up in the Discord 
or go to podsunchained.com. You can even leave a voice question there. We'll play it on the podcast and uh, answer it for you. Uh, JFA asks, what I'm wondering is if in your experience, changing in the middle of a game, the original God power chosen can help a player get an advantage in some way. And if so, under which circumstances can this be useful? So for instance, there used to be a a very meta deck. Well, I mean, I would say very, very meta, but it is definitely the basis of the deck that I came in first place with. Uh, the idea is you start the game with Onslaught because Onslaught is stupid and you can just deadly blitz things every single turn into your opponent. And uh, if they decide to go wide to stop you from doing that, you just Karn sweep them. And then uh, when you get to the late game, you want to get those eight cost uh, Ares Rune Blades and the Avatar of War, and you just want to have Slayer, because you want to go infinite with Slayer God Power. And um, there's a couple cards that actually allow you to delve new God Powers, and one of them is an Amazon that uh, that gives you the option to choose a new God Power within your domain, so then you switch from um, Onslaught into Slayer late game, and uh, basically, yeah, the thought was, what if we could just cut out that middleman of having to change? Uh, and it worked pretty well, uh, but it just, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's the only example of changing that I've seen personally. Have you seen any examples of people changing their god power in any other capacity? And are there any scenarios that you can think of that... Uh, you know, starting with one god power would then be beneficial to late game swap to a different god power. Um, yeah, no, that's the only one that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Um, I think the only other reason to include a card like that would be if there were, you know, certain matchups where one god power really benefits you against you know one of the opposing gods archetypes but it's really bad against a different mm. archetype and then you have like, like you know maybe against war if you know they're aggro slayer you want leech life but if they're control slayer you want animal bond right you know and you choose wrong in the beginning like maybe but i don't think that's worth it um what about like maybe like a, a death example of like using heals like the blood ritual and then maybe late game, you just need some burst damage and uh, you switch to soul burn or something like that. Yeah, the other one I was thinking was blood ritual into reanimate. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, uh, early, mid, late game heals into infinite value. Um, same, you could do something similar, I guess, with magic, uh, switching over to discovery. Um you could do something similar with nature switching away from animal bond or leech life into forage if you feel like that suits you um i don't think any of those are particularly good ideas but um, <laughs> i think you know you could find some utility there for like a rank 9 rank 10 deck yeah it's interesting that, i mean like there are a handful of cards that do allow you to swap god powers um but uh, yeah i've never really seen too much utilization of it and i do wonder if there isn't some other decks out there aside from that slayer deck that uh, could benefit one of the examples that jfa actually gives is the god power shine which you can obtain the god power shine by playing the card light ascended uh i believe it's called going from yep. memory here thank you <laughs> um and and shine summons you two will-o'-wisps uh which in and of itself is probably a pretty lackluster god power um it's two mana it summons you two one ones they do have ward but will-o'-wisps are mystics so this is an actually a pretty interesting example i mean i literally played a mystic light deck this weekend so i do enjoy the frumentari researcher uh quite a bit in fact <laughs> i i got i got spanked by mirage the first time i ran into him this weekend ranked but the second time he wiped my entire board uh, with Apocalypse Now at 7 mana. And so from an empty board, I dropped a Frumentari Researcher and a Will-O-Wisp, and he had 4 health left, and that was it. So, like, doing burst damage, it's a ton of fun with Light. Like, it's it can win you games. If I didn't have that, I would have just been dead. He would have just wiped my board every single turn, played Demogorgons, etc. 
but because I had this burst damage in hand, I was able to win. So this is an interesting example that uh, JFA came up with, which is if you use Shine, you summon two Will-O-Wisps. If you drop a Frumentari Researcher and then play your God Power, that's going to deal four damage every single time. Uh, that I mean, as long as you can keep your Frumentari Researchers on board, which in Gods Unchained is not always an easy feat to accomplish keeping creatures on a board, but... Uh, Mystic Light is definitely fun. So if we see maybe more Mystic support in the future, you think maybe Shine could become, uh, you know, if we see a second Frumentari Researcher-esque card where the more Mystics you have, the more the fun. Yeah, I always thought Mystics uh, were two payoff cards away from being mm. a viable archetype, especially in Magic. Magic has some nuts Mystics. But um, yeah, Frumentari Researchers won. So yeah, definitely waiting for a second one there to explore that uh, tribal archetype. Um, also, I, I do have to give credit uh, to the first person I ever saw run Mystic Light with the Shine God Power, uh, Trildebeast. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I got it was like two weeks into trials, and he wow. was all over that. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a definitely a cool deck. Yeah, I gotta try um, that. I think Shine is a really great god power like in a vacuum hmm. um but light ascended having like a relatively weak roar effect and being six mana uh de de definitely <laughs> you know is lackluster overall i think um especially pales in comparison to asterius um right you know off everything two health or plus two plus two and get a huge creature like you know um so well, i will say yeah, that i don't the, know it does if mystics get put over the top maybe i could see yeah it. i i mean like i guess it depends on how zooey of a deck you're playing but there was a turn where i could have had lethal i had two frumentaris on the board and uh i had two will-o-wisps in my hand there's only enough room for one of them uh, I mean, in my case, there was already a couple creatures on the board as well. So, like, your board just runs out of space. Um, so maybe Will-O-Wisps does become slightly bad unless you have, you know, obviously Asterius, right? You drop Asterius after getting a couple uh, warded Will-O-Wisps would be huge. But if your board's already getting full, uh, it does feel bad to to try this Frumentari combo, which uh, just dropping one Will-O-Wisp is eight face damage if they don't have any creatures on board because you have two Frumentaris on board. Uh, each one does four damage. I mean, it's just insane. But uh, Maybe we can work out a uh, Mystic OTK deck. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would love that. Um, Maybe Magic could pull it off. Assistant Alchemist on Shadow Skyers. You Warped Engineer on... What's a two-mana Mystic? <laughs> uh the the drugar priest oh no you just you you warped engineer your freeman sorry and then you portal wrangler it he's the clap oh but then you don't have so the problem is you don't have enough well maybe you, would that work so the first one you play does nothing then the second one you play would do two then the third one you play would do four so you're up to six then the fourth one uh, you play and would, the portal wrangler did oh did yeah four when it came down oh it's a mystic <laughs> yeah oh geez yeah, I mean it's tough because your board just runs out of space, but it's a very interesting idea. We'll have to, I'll have to dig into that this week. See if I can't come up with some type of insane. Yeah, I mean you might as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've been playing Dick Puddle Cove the last two weeks, three Fair weeks play. maybe. So I mean, yeah. Yeah, I've been playing Atlanteans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that sounds fun though. I, I mean or, or legit. I guess I should say. Atlanteans are real. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Dick Puddlecoat. Well, maybe Dick Puddlecoat's becoming pretty real. I will say that uh, I brought up on the podcast that I wondered if Aldous uh, played Dick Puddlecoat from Jason to beat me in that tournament match because he saw me playing it, and he messaged me the other day, and he said, I heard you talk about it on the podcast and where you said, I wonder if Aldous had seen me play it and if it influenced my decision, and he said it absolutely did, and that is hilarious. And I love it so much. Big shouts to Aldous. So the answer to who can beat Copper Pitch? <laughs> Copper Pitch. <laughs> I, it was such 
I mean, it was just the greatest play. Like, I, oh my god! Like I'm. That was insane. It, like it's so sad to like lose a tournament match, but like I can't even be like even one percent sad. Just happy. Yeah, that's fair, <laughs> man. I can tell you one thing: Aldis and I play tomorrow. Oh. And if I lose to Dick Puddle <laughs> I will be mad. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, I forgot. Yeah, avenge me, caution. Ah man, I'm already tired. <laughs> Oh god, maybe they'll release the balance patch uh, tomorrow, and uh, you'll have to reschedule, and he'll have to make all new decks. I don't think that will happen. I I think the octopus guys asked for a twenty four hour notice before it happens, just so that that kind of thing doesn't happen. So I, I think you're on the hook for your match, but uh, good luck. I hope you have I hope you have better luck than me. Um, I'll definitely be. Oh, I guess if you're streaming it, I'll be watching. But you might be doing it in secret. And uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to put all your all your viewers to sleep. I understand. Yeah, partially that. Um, I mean, you're getting close that. to the round of eight too, right? If you win, or round of. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst at this stuff. I mean, awesome. I've been, I've been in over my head since uh, Lions tournament. Yeah, yeah, we've got tournaments galore. Uh, we just kicked off the Cujo Bowl um, this past uh, uh, yesterday, actually. So people should be playing their round one uh, games right now for the Cujo Bowl. Yeah, oh, wait, so let me talk about this real quick. I am the number one seed in the Cujo Bowl. They based it off of the last two weekend ranked results which i came in first and then fifth or sixth and you know what my reward is you know who i get to play in the round in, in my first game who's that tst apollo oh he, i guess he probably took off the last two weeks i'm guessing he's been skipping that that's the only thing that makes sense like unless yeah he, yeah so like i guess he hasn't been playing so therefore his results were zero and zero or, or last place and last place and then of course because i'm in first that's the reward i get like what he's Damn. one of the top five players in the game get wrecked dude. <laughs> i know oh so like God. i can't even be happy like i didn't even mean to get number one seed they had said they were going to seed it based on the highest mmr over the last month yeah, that's that's interesting to me. Yeah, like, then all of a sudden they. I, I went out of my way to try to get a high uh... MMR for a high seed. I wonder what I ended up at. Oh man, I see it now. Oh well, you can always hope he loses to Moyo. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Moyo, um, that is true. Uh, Apollo does have a play-in game per se. There's mostly buys in the first round of two fifty-six because I think there's like just over one hundred twenty-eight players. Um, so it is possible Apollo does have to play effectively a play-in game to get to me. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath that, uh, Moyo, although Moyo, if you're out there, get him. (laughs) (laughs) I am, uh, yeah, not, not thrilled by the way that that was seated, uh, at all. (laughs) I can't even find me. I think you're like 16th-ish, I want to say. I mean, somewhere in that range, I think. I don't even see any numbers, to be honest. Oh, really? But, um, yeah, but I found me. I, I'm playing by. <laughs> oh, you're lucky. <laughs> Actually, damn, I, I got some tough games coming up. I'm going up against Psy Ooh. this round, and then I got the winner of, hey, JFA or Baba. Ah, JFA, the community question legend himself. Damn, this is a tough quadrant over here. Oh no. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of tough quadrants. The interesting thing will be that it is a a, a not a single elimination. Uh, this is the first tournament, to my knowledge, in God's Unchained history that is doing a loser bracket where you can win your way back in to the finals if you win the loser bracket. So. Yeah, my hope is that I uh, lose to Apollo and then just uh, win my way back. <laughs> yeah, win out, baby. Yeah, it's uh, it's no problem. Uh, I just thought that was pretty funny, but um, yeah, it's interesting to see the uh, the. We'll look at the top ten real quick in the tour leaderboard standings. We've got Doubtless in first place, still Rock Manon, uh, in second place, 
DLT's V2 tied for third. We got Freeze Down and Octopus Geno in fifth. We've got Alimir in seventh. And uh, tied for eighth, we got The Professor and Lenistar. And uh, tied for tenth, we've got Aldock from Team Octopus, Crumpy Lumpkins, TST Mirage, and TST Caution Fun with 40 points. Good group there. That's a nice looking, it's a nice solid group. And then just below that, right underneath Caution Fun's name is Copper Pitch's name. We're right next to each other. You just happen to have 10 more points. I'm in a nice, solid group, too, with Fake Muse, Captain YB, Octopus, Flaws, Kill, and Mythic Revan. So a couple of us uh, tied to make it into the final 16, and a couple of us will get kicked out. So we'll have to see uh, how these tournament standings keep shaking out. But uh, we're we're getting close to the midway point of the tournament, of, of the tour, rather. We've uh, we're, our, our third tournament's underway. Very exciting stuff. I hear the next two tournaments are going to be pretty sexy. We got the Madness of the Gods 5 with Copper Pitch and Trigger Haven, and then the TS tournament. Yeah. It's going to be uh it's going to be pretty nice. I, I I'm excited for those tournaments. Excited still for the Octopus tournament going on. They've been streaming games, uh, a lot of matches. Big shouts to those guys. Very exciting matches. Uh, best of fives where you can see which decks people are going to play ahead of time so it's pretty cool and uh, yeah like I said just underway as of a few hours ago uh, the the Cujo Bowl so very interested to see what happens in that one I still got to make decks Um, yikes I mean so like but this one's interesting right like it's it's just it's just only one Demogorgon and you can ban a god, right? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully it should be just remove one Demogorgon from your deck and then call it a day. Uh, what, should yeah, I re- what should I replace Demogorgon with unilaterally in all my decks? Ash and um, Drake, done. Void Drake. <laughs> Fair enough. That's that's top alpha leak right there from one of the top players in the game. Add Void Drakes to all your decks. The real answer is Hector. <laughs> oh, that's a good answer. But Hector's a war card? Or is it? Figure neutral? it out, man. I can't. Hector's gross. <laughs> Hector is gross. Those are facts. Hector is nasty. Um, but that's going to do it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Caution, it's been fun. Yeah, man, absolutely. Always a pleasure hanging out with you. And uh, yeah, everybody, take it easy. Till next week. See you. Things are so bright for you. I hope that it's healing you. You bring so much fortitude. I'm so excited for you. Things are so bright for you. I hope that it's healing you. You bring so much fortitude. I'm so excited for you.